you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 57 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And I am sure you're listening on a fine podcast application like iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play Music, etc., etc. Let's get right into it, folks. Obviously, a very, 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 very scary scene out in Denver on Friday night with Kemba Walker being taken off the court in a stretcher. He, It was a basketball play. You know, I played a lot of basketball growing up. I've watched a lot of basketball my entire life. I have never seen such a weird play happen. And he, I, I can't even describe it. He basically just ran head first right into Shemi Ojale's like muscle factory. It was, it was so scary. It was so bizarre. He dropped right to the floor and it kind of reminded me, I think it was like eight years ago. I think the weird part about it is that it was eight years ago and Marquise Daniels from the Boston Celtics, it was at home at TD Garden. He kind of had the same situation, had a neck injury, had to be taken off the floor with a stretcher and at TD Garden, you could hear a pin drop. I'll never forget it. It was absolutely crazy. I, I, I think that was like my fifth or sixth season with my season tickets at the time. But Marquise Daniels was number eight. Kemba Walker was number eight. And I'm pretty sure that happened eight years ago. And speaking of Marquise Daniels, he got in a really bad car car accident as of late. So I hope everything is okay with Marquise Daniels. But back to Kemba Walker. It was first reported that he was, you know, the test came back positive and he had concussion-like symptoms, which is, you know, I hate to say it great news. Obviously, it could have been a lot worse, but obviously, you don't want anyone to have a concussion. But now they are reporting that it is a neck sprain, and he is going to be doubtful tonight during the Sacramento Kings. And to be honest with you, don't even let him play against the Nets on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Obviously, the Celtics have four games this week, the Kings, the Nets, the Nets, and the Knicks. It's it's an important week, in my opinion, for the Boston Celtics, and I'll explain why. But for the time being, I really and truly think let Kemba rest because Kemba, when we signed him, I talked about it a great deal, how durable he is. You know, he played all 82 games last year, and I think they might have been a little cautious with the situation out in Denver over the weekend because he's never been hurt before, like this seriously. Like that was very, I mean, it was very serious for anyone, but Kemba's never really and truly been through an injury like that. And to see him get taken off the floor on a stretcher, I was at work. I didn't like move for like 20 minutes. I, my, Stomach was just in a pit. I had chills because no one deserves an injury like that less than Kemba Walker. He's such a nice guy. Doc Rivers said it best. There's no one in the league that hates him. And if it is, like, good luck trying to find him. It's it's absolutely crazy. But now that Kemba Walker most likely will be out against the Sacramento Kings and most likely all of this week, I'm going to assume, again, doubtful means that you're saying there's a chance, but... For the most part, Kemba Walker will be out Monday night versus the Sacramento Kings at TD Garden, which, and that game's at 7.30, and I'll preview that game and all the other games very, very soon, like I just talked about a couple minutes ago. But Tremont Waters, our second-round draft pick from LSU, the short little point guard, he's, I think he's shorter than Kemba, to be honest with you. He got called up, or called down, if you will, from Maine. He has been playing un believable basketball with the main red claws. The main red claws are 5-0, and and Tremont Waters is a huge, huge piece of that. So look out for a lot of Tremont Waters. I don't want to say a lot, but you will see Tremont Waters get a reasonable amount of minutes this upcoming week. So keep an eye on that, and our best wishes go out to Kemba for a full and speedy recovery. So 
Right now, the Boston Celtics are currently 11 and 4 after 15 games. I would I would take that. Sure, would I want 13 and 2? Would I want 15 and 0? Absolutely, but right now they are 11 4. You can't be upset about it in any way, shape, or form. They're third place overall in the East. They're one game behind the Bucks and a half a game. Uh, no, actually, they're even with the Miami Heat right now for second place. So, second place, third place, whatever the case may be. They're first place overall in the Atlantic Division. They're a half game above the Raptors, half game above the 76ers, and they're about four or five games, or maybe even three and a half or four games above the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, the Celtics just got done with their West Coast road trip, and I'm going to recap the final three games of the road trip because there was a lot to recap between the Suns game and the Clippers game, which was bananas, and then the Nuggets game as well because, I mean, even though Kemba did get hurt and I didn't really care much for the game after that because your main focus was making sure your superstar was okay, we still have to talk about how the Celtics lost that game and how they played so poorly. But out of those three games, they beat the Nets 98 to 95. They lost to the Clippers 104 107 in overtime. And then they lost to the Nuggets 96 to 92 out in Denver. And the fact that they lost three games on this West Coast road trip by a total of eight points just shows the grit, the hustle, the energy, the ugliness of this basketball team. They'll, they'll do whatever it takes to win. But before we really and truly begin recapping this week, the Boston Celtics announced that they are coming out with brand new 2019-2020 Nike City Edition jerseys. The NBA has been doing this for the last couple of years, ever since Nike has taken it over. And the Celtics released theirs. They're going to be wearing them five times this year. And the first one is this upcoming Wednesday at home at 7 o'clock against the Brooklyn Nets, where Kyrie Irving is not playing. I have two thoughts real quick. Number one. I know a lot of people are butthurt that Kyrie Irving isn't playing the game on Wednesday. I understand. You wanted to boo him. He deserves every boo this side of the Mississippi. I get it. But if you actually think Kyrie's doing this on purpose, then like you you look like an idiot, in, in my opinion. Because this dude has been hurt for the last two weeks. So why would the Nets who are not in a great position right now. They barely beat the New York Knicks last night, 103-101. to They're now 8-8. Eight and eight. Why would they let, arguably, their best player sit out for two or three weeks so he doesn't get booed? Like, seriously. Like, come on. Like, if he played, I think the Nets are playing the Cavs tonight. If that was the case and then Kyrie didn't play for load management, I'm with you. What a puss bag. What an idiot. But the dude, and I'm not trying to stand up for him. I I do think Kyrie is a tremendous basketball player. He's a terrible teammate, but a tremendous basketball player. But sure, he's very smart. But I don't think the Nets organization would be like, why don't you take two or three weeks off so you don't get booed in Boston? Like, come on, guys. Let's stop and think about it for a second. But anyways, back to the 2019-2020 Celtic City edition jerseys. What did you, like, I know a lot of people don't like them, and that's fine. I think they're okay. I think the idea was cool. I just think it was poorly executed. But let's break this down real quick. What did you really want the jerseys to look like? The Celtics are all about tradition. Did you see how long it took them to even get, like, cheerleaders because Red Arback refused to do it? They had to wait for Red Arback to die to even have, like, fun in the arena because all that the Boston Celtics cared about was basketball, 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 not who wants a t-shirt, not the Celtics dancers, not the lucky flight crew, none of that stuff. The Celtics even haven't even changed their logo since 1996. So when you look at like the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Phoenix Suns or the Houston Rockets, they literally, or um, I'm trying to think like the Sacramento Kings, they literally change their jer- their logo like every three or four years, which means they get new jerseys, new colors. It makes a ton of sense why they get some really cool-looking jerseys. But the Celtics have the most plain and simple jerseys in the league. They're not going to go above and beyond and do like what the Dallas Mavericks did with like basically graffiti on their jerseys. They're just not going to do it. Like, do you honestly think that Wick is going to disrespect Red Auerbach and all the Celtics tradition just to put 617 or Beantown on a jersey? No, I don't think so at all. The Celtics jerseys, I feel like, are a lot like Fenway. It's old school 
We love the old school vibe. And for some reason, every single time they try and touch it or change it or give us something new, we all get butthurt and have this crazy opinion. What I'm really interested in out of this new city collection is the Brad Stevens collection. What are the golf polos going to look like? What are the quarter zips going to look like? What are the shooting shirts going to look like? So I think we will like the jerseys once they they get on the court. It obviously reminds me of like the St. Patrick's Day uniforms the Celtics wore during the Garnett, Allen, and Pierce era. But obviously, you know, the, the Celtic writing, if you will, the Irish writing, I get it all, but just poorly executed. But like, what were you expecting? You're not going to get like these crazy, ridiculous, really cool jerseys because that's just not what the Celtics do. It's, it's, it's just not what the Celtics do. And that's my thought on the 2019-2020 Nike City Edition jerseys. Let's just jump right in to the Phoenix Suns game. A nice win by the Celtics after a horrific start. I had to write down. So give me a second. I had to write down how bad they started this game even though I was very happy with how they responded after that heartbreaking Kings loss at the buzzer when Marcus Smart missed that floater. Jalen Brown missed three. Jason Tatum missed three. Both of them were air balls, by the way. Jalen Brown missed a jumper. Tatum turnover. Kemba hit a jumper. Jalen missed a three. Tatum missed a three. Kemba missed a three. Tatum made two free throws. Jalen missed two free throws. And then Marcus Smart made a jumper. And then after that, everything kind of got back to the way that it should have been smooth, easygoing, shot making. But what a horrific start that was. I mean, what I mean, that's like five five or six missed threes, two missed free throws, couple turnovers, just absolutely terrible. And somehow they were they won the first quarter and they were up four after one. So to start that poorly after a loss like the night before, when you're on a West Coast trip and you had to travel, hmm, you you have to be perfectly content. And I really thought they did a great job of limiting Devin Booker. You know, Devin Booker loves playing against the Celtics. The, they can never defend him well. But this time, I think they really did a great job defending him. Every single time Devin Booker tried to come off a pick and roll, there were double teams. They set up traps. They had guys coming over from the weak side. It was really well executed by Brad Stevens and his coaching staff. But obviously, it it didn't help the Suns that Ricky Rubio, their true point guard, had back spasms. He was like warming up before the game, and then I guess his back just started acting up, and then he didn't play in the game. But to hold Devin Booker to 20 points overall and 8 points in the first half is absolutely fantastic. And then, my, minus Devin Booker, sorry, it is late, I am tired, I am like a stuttering Stanley right now, but the second quarter was something... I didn't know existed on like a Brad Stevens team because they played so well. And do you guys remember last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that, the Celtics suck in the second quarter. They really, truly do. But Grant Williams came into this game and everything changed. He was a plus 18 overall. He did a lot of little things well. Defensive rotations, setting great screens, getting a, I feel like I would love to know how many hockey assists Grant Williams have. And for those of you that don't know what a hockey assist is, it's when you pass the ball to the guy who actually gets the assist who passes it to someone else. So a pass that leads to a pass to get a bucket. That's a hockey assist. I bet you Grant Williams is probably top three or four on the team, guaranteed. When Grant Williams was in the game, the Celtics went on a 23-6 to run, and they ended the second quarter on a 15-2 to run. And obviously, the Kemba buzzer beater, which was an amazing play at the end of the half to put the Celtics up 15, you you just felt good. You're like, they got this game. But the Suns did try and creep back in a little bit in the third quarter, and then Jason Tatum decided to take over the game. He expanded the lead. He finished the third quarter with a three, a really strong take layup that really made me happy because when Jason Tatum finishes strong around the rim, God, it just... Really gives me a parquet in the pants. And then he hits another th- another three, and then he finishes off with a nice dunk. He, it It's so interesting. I feel like we really haven't seen a full, complete game by Jason Tatum. And what I mean by that, it's not what I mean like with Kemba, how Kemba like plays well in the first, doesn't play well in the second, he's reasonable in the third, and gets lights out in the fourth. What I mean by that is, for Jason Tatum, is we haven't seen games where his three-point shot's working 
and him being very aggressive taking it to the rim. It's one or the other. And this game, I feel like we got a little close. His three-point shot did suck in the Suns game, but he took it to the rack, and I was very, very excited about it. But even though the Celtics weren't that great in the fourth quarter, I think they only scored 19 points, and because most, most of it was trash time, the scary part was during that little trash time play, Marcus Smart rolled his ankle with about eight or nine minutes left to go, and it looked really bad. And he said after the game that he it was the same ankle that he kind of tweaked in the same exact spot when he was playing for Team USA, and that kind of sucked. But you had great games from Brad Wanamaker. You had a great game from Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice, he's just been so impressive this year. I really wasn't expecting much. I was expecting him to have a couple nice games overall, get really angry at him for shooting a lot of open three-pointers, but he's just doing everything that he wasn't the first couple years that he was here. Everything that you wanted him to do a couple years ago, now he's doing, and it's great to see. Tatum didn't even play in the fourth quarter. I thought he played great. He scored over 20 points. He was fantastic. He looked really, really well, and I think one of the issues with Jason Tatum was that I've had so far this year. He really hasn't had a lot of back-to-back games where you're like, wow, he's been an all-star this year. He's been a stud. But it finally happened. Obviously had a great game against the Phoenix Suns. And then you're like, okay, he probably won't have a great game against the Clippers. Kawhi is going to be on him. Paul George is going to be on him. Not the case. Jason Tatum, in my opinion, played his most mature and best game in a Celtics uniform last Wednesday against the the Philadelphia 76ers. See, the 76ers are always on my mind because I really think if we can beat them and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Anyways, I meant to say the Los Angeles Clippers, but this game, guys, and excuse my language here, I have never been so fucking angry after a game in a really, 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 really long time. Marcus Smart is a warrior. I, I have to give him credit. To roll that ankle, have a day off, and to come back and refuse a minute restriction is absolutely crazy. The positive is that hypes up the team. They're like, if he's doing it, I got to do it. The negative is is maybe sometimes he should just take a day off. It's going to be okay. It's early in the season. Obviously, if this was a playoff game and he felt that way, sure, come back. But the fact that the Celtics didn't win this game might, I don't want to say might haunt me forever, but man, I'm not going to forget it. I'll tell you that right now. I really wanted this game. It was one of those games where like, if you if we got blown out by 20, every everyone kind of comes back to earth and you're like, okay, the Celtics had a nice little run. They were feeling it. They kind of hit their peak, blah, 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 blah. Let's come back to earth. But like, as the game was going, I was like, oh my God, we got this. Paul George and Kawhi, they're playing together for the first time. We're going to give it their best shot. And man, another horrific start. You know, it was so bad. They didn't score until the 8 minute and 41 second mark in the first quarter. They were down 7 with like 4 minutes to go in the first. They made some great defensive stops. They forced a lot of turnovers. They got it down to 1. But here's the thing. I want to make this perfectly clear. I am not the greatest basketball player in the world. I am not the smartest basketball analyst in the world. I am probably not the smartest Boston Celtics podcaster in the world. Maybe top three. But with that being said, how in God's great name do you miss your first 16 three-pointers? How do you do that professional basketball players missed 16 three-pointers, something that they practice every single motherfucking day. They missed their first 16 three-pointers. I don't get it. How does that happen? How does Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brad Wanamaker, like Carson Edwards. I don't even think Carson Edwards played in this game. And if he did, it was very limited time. But how do you miss your first 16 three-pointers? Good God. But the positive is they stuck with the team. I mean, if they hit three of them, this could have been a completely different basketball game. It really and truly could have. But 16 missed three-pointers. Absolutely unbelievable. But 
as angry as I was at the Celtics miss, the first 16 three-pointers that they took. Did you guys know the Celtics missed 16 three-pointers? Anyways, the second quarter was some of the be- ugliest basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like watching JB, JV basketball. It was turnover after turnover, bad shot selection after bad shot selection, lazy ball movement, lazy protecting the ball, lazy rotations defensively, not boxing out. It was absolutely unbelievable. Kemba Walker, folks, I know he has a next brain right now. But let's say that just didn't happen and this podcast was recorded the day after the Clippers game. I have never, ever, like Kanye West style, like ever, 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 have never seen Kemba Walker play such a bad basketball game. That dude in the second quarter had four straight possessions and all four of those possessions ended up in turnovers. Beverly and some of their, like Patrick Beverly and some of their long defenders Gave Kemba such a hassle. He was 4 of 17 from the field. Somehow ended up with 9 rebounds. He had 13 points. He was a minus 8 and had 6 turnovers. Which means his assist to turnover ratio was 1 to 3. That should be the other way around. It should be 3 to 1. Oh my god. That, ugh. I... And part of the, the second quarter was so bad and so weird and something I never want to remember or talk about again. Ennis Cantor actually had a really good defensive play. And I think he realized because he made a good defensive play, he like blacked out and didn't know what to do. He stole the ball, got the ball in his hands. And I swear to God, he was like, and just like threw up in his mouth and then he just threw the ball down the court like he was like oh my god I stole the ball it was ridiculous but I will say this Cantor's play in the second quarter and in the paint during this game was absolutely fantastic I thought he was great in the paint he I think he led the team in plus minus I think he was like a plus seven or plus eight in this game because you got to realize the Clippers best lineup the reason why I think the Celtics match up with the Clippers kind of better than maybe some other teams is their best lineup is small. Like Zubek is a good center in the league to start with, just like Cantor is a reasonable center to start with in the NBA. But Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Montrell, or Montrell's Harrell is their best lineup. And Harrell is only like, he's kind of like Brandon Bass from back in the day. He's like 6'8". He's really not that big. So the Celtics can go small, which is what the Celtics would prefer. So when Zubak wasn't out there, Cantor kind of dominated. And speaking about Ennis Cantor, I think you know what time it is. Let's go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, let's talk about the second half of the Clippers game. So consider that canter banter, your halftime show. The third quarter it is where I officially saw Jason Tatum take a leap. Everyone's like, oh, his, his efficiency's down this year because his shots are up more because Kyrie's not the ball hog. Al Horford's not there anymore, blah, 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 blah. But coming into the third quarter, or to start the third quarter, I should say, Paul George hit a three, Kawhi Leonard hit a three, and then Jason Tatum scored 14 out of his 30 points in that third quarter. And man, he looked great. You threw Patrick Beverly on him, didn't matter. You threw Kawhi Leonard on him, didn't matter. You threw Paul George on him, didn't matter. You threw Harrell on him, didn't matter. He was incredible. Doc Rivers threw the wall at him, and he was 5 of 7 overall in the third quarter. But the most impressive part to me in the third quarter was some guy named Brad Wanamaker. That's right. I have been tooting Brad Wanamaker's horn all season, especially in the player prediction podcast, which I think it was like episode 51, but it doesn't matter because I was right. Guy scored nine out of the last 11 points in the third quarter for the Celtics. Absolutely incredible. So going into the fourth quarter, Celtics are up six. This, this is where I actually got angry at Brad Stevens. Kemba was not good in this game. Jalen Brown was not good in this game. You know who was good in this game? 
Jason Tatum, the father of Deuce Tatum. He was fantastic. Jason Tatum doesn't come back into this game until there's about six minutes left. Yes, I understand Kemba hit a big three to put him up double digits with, I think, like six and a half to go. But Tatum only taking one shot in the first in, in the fourth quarter and not playing that much in the fourth quarter is one of the dumbest things I think I've seen Brad Stevens do. And you guys know I don't like to talk badly about Brad Stevens because I believe he's one of the better coaches in the league. But for him to not just hand the ball, like literally go on the court, take the ball from whoever has it, even the refs, and give it to Tatum to have him shoot more was fantastic. Was fantastically dumb. That's what I should have said. It wasn't fantastic. It was fantastically dumb. How do you let the guy who goes 5 of 7, who scores 14 out of his 30 points overall in the game, not get more than two touches in the first quarter, in the fourth quarter? Even if he got three shots in the fourth quarter, I don't think I'd be as mad. But that was one of the many reasons why I was absolutely furious. But then... Patrick Beverly does his best Marcus Smart impressions. He's all over the place, hypes up the crowd, hypes up his team. Clippers go on an 8-0 run. And then Patrick Beverly, this guy, is a bullshit three-point shooter. I don't think he shoots above 25% from three. He's absolutely atrocious. I bet you Vincent probably has a better three-point percentage overall in his career out in France than Patrick Beverly does. The dude was 4 of 7 from three. He hit such big shots towards the end of the game. And I understand the Celtics did respond in a great way, which was great to see because they could have just given up. Like, fourth game of our road trip, we're good, we're tired, but they kept giving up. They had some nice layups from Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart to kind of get back into it. And I don't want to blame the refs because I fully believe that missing your first 16 three-pointers is your own fault. But Kemba not getting an offensive foul call when Harrell, someone who's like twice the size of him, just literally runs straight into him during a fast break. Oh, man, that was infuriating. I feel like that would have been called the flagrant one on Harrell in a college basketball game. But whatever. So the Celtics are up seven with like two minutes to go, maybe 220 to go. Marcus Smart makes like this weird layup. I think he was trying to do an alley-oop to Tice, but it actually went in the basket. It went into the basket, and then Patrick Beverly hits a three. Then Kemba decides, I'm going to take a three. Why? Why? You're like 4 of 15 at this point. Why? Find Jason Tatum. Give Jason Tatum the ball right now. Like, do whatever you have to do to get Jason Tatum the ball. Throw it directly into his face. Get. Uh, I'm getting angry again about this game. You, you sucked that night, Kemba. You're a superstar. And I understand in Charlotte... This is something that I was a little worried about. Like in Charlotte, he would force, 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 force because he had no one else. Now you got other people. Give the ball to Jason Tatum. He was so good in this game. I mean, Marcus Smart's shot selection wasn't ideal either throughout this entire game, so I can't be too harsh on Kemba. But I mean, Marcus Smart shooting one of eleven from three pointer. Oh, but hey, you know what? Eight assists, fifteen points on a bad ankle, like touche. But obviously, Jason Tatum hit an unbelievable three pointer to tie the game up, to force the game to go into overtime. And then after that, Tatum, I think Tatum got a, a bucket or two in overtime. Paul George hit a three, Kawhi hit a three, Patrick Beverly hit a three. And that was that, and the Celtics lost. It was a great game. It was so much fun. It was like a playoff game. It really and truly felt like a playoff atmosphere in there. I'm really proud of the Celtics in that matter. They, they showed up, they weren't afraid, they didn't give up, they responded well, and, and I really, 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 in, like, as angry as I was, I was happy with, like, how they didn't give up, but I wanted a W instead. I would rather be 12-3 and three than be like, hey guys, really proud of how you responded in the basketball game. The Nuggets game. They lose 96-92. Like I said, I really don't have much to say about this one because I don't blame the way that the Celtics played in this game in any single way, shape, or form. Your fifth game on a West Coast road trip, you lost a heartbreaker on Sunday. You lose another heartbreaker on Wednesday. You see your team leader go down to a freak injury. Two weeks ago, you saw arguably your best player so far this season go down with a freak injury. It's just so weird, these freak injuries. I've never seen it. A teammate run into another teammate and end up with a sprained neck. I've never seen anyone try and run through a screen and break their hand. It's been very, very weird. But to break down the game a little bit, guess what happened? 
Any guesses? Yeah, another terrible, terrible, terrible start to the game. The Celtics started the game 1 of 10 from the field. Zero offensive rebounds on 14 misses. Zero offensive rebounds on 14 minutes. Uh, off of 14 misses. Tatum, Kemba, Jalen, they started the game 1 of 13. Felt like Jalen was forcing a lot because Jalen Brown was terrible in the Clippers game. He was awful in the Clippers game. So I felt like he was trying to force it. And this offense can't be run with someone forcing the ball unless, you know, it's fourth quarter, one or two minutes left. Sure, let's play some one-on-one. Let's play some ISO ball. But this this offense is run a ball movement, people sharing the ball, making the right decisions, making good shot selections. And Jalen Brown didn't do that in any single way, shape, or form. But once they kind of got their feet on the ground or catching up with their mile-high breath, because it's tough to play in Denver with, you know, they're a mile high and the air's thin up there, but the bench was playing some great defense. They went on an 11-0 run. They got it down to 6 or 7 after being down like 14 or 15 points. And then the Kemba thing happened. And then the Celtics were down at 11 at halftime, which, you know, they got it down to 6. And then the fact that, it wasn't more than 11, I think, is very impressive. I didn't watch a lot of the third quarter because I was at work. I was so upset about what happened to Kemba. But they kept fighting. They kept fighting. They were down as many as 19 points. Most teams on the last day, like I mentioned, most teams on the last day of a road trip, you lose your star player, you're down 19 points. See you later. But not so fast, as Lee Corso likes to say on college game day. Fourth quarter rolls around. This team says, you know what? screw this. This is when I kind of started watching again because it wasn't that busy at work. But Celtics shot 35 points in the Nuggets. They made they made it a one-point game with about four and a half minutes to go thanks to Jalen Brown, thanks to Jason Tatum, and guess who? Brad Wanamaker. That's right. Brad Wanamaker came out <laughs> on the fourth quarter and made four free throws in a row. Brad Wanamaker attacking the basket. Guess who has the best free throw percentage on the team? Brad Wanamaker. Crazy, right? The The Nuggets bench was still out in the court with, you know, like nine, eight, nine minutes to go. They missed three or four shots in a row. Then Javante Green hit a jumper, which was bizarre. Jason Tatum had a nice dunk. Jokic tried to shoot a jumper over Time Lord. He stuffed him. Then Brad Wanamaker goes the other way, lays it in. They're now down two. Teams went back and forth a little bit. And then Jamal Murray... Just He just couldn't miss. Him and Jokic off that pick and roll is really, really hard to beat. I mean, Jalen and Time Lord, I felt like played it well. They didn't play it good enough, but they played it well. But it didn't matter. He's an incredible shooter. He doesn't mind shooting off one foot. He doesn't mind shooting fading away, whatever the case may be. But overall, a tough game. One that what, I, the Nuggets are coming back Friday, December 6th. Yeah, I think they're coming back Friday, December 6th. And, you know. They'll be fine. I think it will be a good game. I think they can win it. I think the Nuggets will kind of be on a long road trip. But obviously, you can't start off 1 one of 10. But the three-point shooting sucked. They only went to the free throw. They went to the free throw line 23 times, and they missed four times. But like I mentioned last week, the Nuggets hold their opponents. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to think of the stat instead of scrolling up through my notes. The Nuggets hold their opponents to like under 35% from three. The Celtics shot 30% from three, but I was happy with how well they played defensively. They forced a lot of turnovers. They protected the ball on their end. And the the great thing to see was, remember how I talked about last week, how they had to run, 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 run against this Nuggets team. The Nuggets only had seven fast break points. The Nuggets really don't like to run, but the Celtics had 20 fast break points. They knew they had to run, kind of get Jokic, not involved that much, and that was that. And I was also very happy that they scored 46 points in the paint. They were attacking. They weren't afraid of Millsap. They weren't afraid of Jokic. So overall, I understand why they lost. I wish they won. Two and three on a West Coast road trip after losing Gordon Hayward and then losing Kemba. And basically, I mean, if you actually think about it, the Nuggets game was probably the one game where you're like, yeah, they're not going to win. And they didn't win. They had a chance to win that Clippers game. They had a chance to win that Kings game. That could have been a 4-1 on trip, and whew, I'd be a lot less angry about that Nuggets game. I'll tell you that right now. But now that that week is over, let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. 
Okay, this week's Celtic stud and dud of the week, the stud is Brad Wanamaker. Yes, that is right. And yes, I understand that Jason Tatum looks like an all-star in Phoenix and L.A., but Brad Wanamaker is getting better and better as the week goes on, and he has really stepped up since Gordon Hayward has left. Over the last three games, the three games they played last week between the Suns, Clippers, and Nuggets, Brad Wanamaker shot 52% from the field, 40% from three. He averaged two boards, five assists, and one and a half steals, and almost 13 points a game. He was a plus 18 versus the Nuggets, and like I mentioned in the Clippers game, he scored nine out of the last 11 points to put the Celtics up six in that third quarter against the Clippers. So he is your stud of the week. Hopefully he can continue his good play because with Kemba out, he's even going to get even more minutes. I'm still not thrilled on some of his decision-making, but he loves to attack the rim. He gets to the line. He hits his free throws. He makes... He knows how to run an offense. I don't want to say he reminds me of Shane Larkin because Shane Larkin was a legit spark plug from back in the day, but Brad Wanamaker is a fantastic off-the-bench point guard for this team. I'm not saying in the league. I'm just saying for this team, it works. The dud of the week isn't really a player. It's just a situation. Um, It's the first quarter. Yes, the dud of the week is the first quarter. Before the Celtics won on this West Coast road trip, This is what they did in the five previous games in the first quarter. They scored 35 points, 30 points, 39 points, 25 points, and 34 points. They won all five of those games. In this West Coast road trip, they scored 23 points, 18 points, 26 points, 21 points, and 13 points, and only won two of those games. The Celtics have to get on a great start. If you look at the Raptors game, or the Bucks game. No, the Bucks game, they started poorly. But for the majority of their, what, 10 or 11 game win streak that they had at the end of October, early of November, they started off very well, kind of faded in the second quarter a little bit, like Brad Stevens' teams do. And then in the third quarter, they came out strong and won these basketball games. They have to have great starts on the road. They cannot walk in to Philadelphia, Indiana, Miami, Toronto and only score 18 points, 21 points, 13 points. They can't do that. They really can't. December is a really nice month for the Celtics to kind of really get everyone back on the same page before January starts. The way you look at it is, sure, this week they got a home game, a home game, and then two road games. But the two road games are in New York, and that's it. Then they come home, and they play the Heat, play the Nuggets, they play the Cavs. They only have four road games. I'm sorry, five road games in the month of December. And they have uh, one, two, three, four, five, like seven or eight home games. Perfect opportunity. There's actually one. So after they play the Philadelphia 76ers, they have five days off. But the road games against the Knicks, the Pacers, the Mavs, the Raptors, and then the Charlotte Hornets on New Year's Eve day, they have to come out to great starts in the first quarter. It needs to start because you got to get into good habits before the playoffs. And why am I talking about the playoffs come December? Because this team looks like a playoff team. Am I, am I wrong? No, I'm not. They're, they look like a playoff team. So you can't be scoring 13 points on the road in the playoff game. You can't be doing that. You absolutely can't be doing that. So your stud, Brad Wanamaker, your dud the first quarter during this West Coast road trip. All right, upcoming week. We obviously know what's going on with Kemba Walker. We may see him. We may not see him. So this is now the time for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to really step up. There's no Gordon. There's no Al Horford. There's no Kyrie Irving. There's no Isaiah Thomas. There's no Kemba Walker. It is, it's literally J&J time. It's their JB, JT. Let's see it. The, the four games this week are extremely winnable. And I don't, I don't want to say they're, they're must-wins, but I do. If you can win these next four games without possibly Kemba Walker, without Gordon Hayward, even though Gordon Hayward was at practice today and he was seen shooting a basketball. Grab somebody sexy, tell them, hey, love to see it. The combined record of the Kings, Nets, and the Nets, and the Knicks, basically the next four games, is 25 and 36. That's great. That's a losing record. So that means the team is really not that great. The Kings, I believe, played Sunday night. Did they? Yeah. So the Kings beat the Washington Wizards last night on the road, but they're playing again tonight against the Boston Celtics. So you have them on a back-to-back. The first time you played them, it was on the front end of a back-to-back. 
and now you have them on a back end of a back-to-back. So that's great. Obviously, we remember when the Celtics lost to them at the buzzer. They, again, they cannot come out flat again. They went 2 of 10 from 3 against the Kings in that game. They have to control Buddy Heald. He can't drop 35 points again. Buddy Heald is a very, very good scorer, and he he's a big reason why they lost that game last Sunday. But looking at the box score real quick between the Kings and the Wizards game, uh, let's see here. Buddy Heald scored 18 points. Harrison Barnes scored 26. Rashawn Holmes, he scored 16. Bogdan Boyganovich scored 21 points. So some pretty balanced scoring from the Kings. And hopefully the Celtics will have ba- some balanced scoring from Jason Tatum, from Jalen Brown, from Marcus Smart, from Brad Wanamaker. Tice is probably going to have to be a little bit more productive on the offensive end as well. Hopefully Carson Edwards' shot can get going during this game. So that will be very good. But back to Buddy Heald. The way that the Celtics defended Devin Booker in Phoenix is what they have to do with Buddy Heald. Come out if he comes out of pick and rolls, double teams, traps, make sure weak side defense is ready to attack passing lanes, etc. etc. So the but the question is, who's gonna start with Kemba out? Is it gonna be Brad Wanamaker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice? Do you bring in Grant Williams and then you have Marcus Jalen, Jason Grant, and Tice? I don't know. It's going to be pretty interesting. But either way, one of the big things I thought from that Kings game was the Kings really liked to pressure the ball, especially Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph was very aggressive towards Kemba. The Celtics had a lot of turnovers in that game. And hopefully, if I if I remember correctly, they had a lot of turnovers in that game. Yeah, the Kings only had like six turnovers, but the Celtics had like 14 or 15. That's what it was. So the Celtics have to take care of the basketball, but they also have to force turnovers as well. Now, if we remember correctly... Shemi Ojale hit like three threes in a row coming off the bench in the second quarter when the Celtics had another terrible start in the first quarter. That's not going to happen again. Shemi Ojale is going to be hitting three threes in a row, so they can't be relying on Semi Ojale. Tyson Cantor, I think, will be very important in this game. Like I mentioned, Titus has to be more productive offensively, but I think if Cantor can come off the bench, dominate the paint, same thing with the Time Lord, because the Time Lord was awful against the Kings game last Sunday. So if the Time Lord can step up, Cantor can step up, kind of control Rashawn Holmes a little bit, and then I'm not really worried about Dwayne Dedman. He's going to take three or four threes a game. He'll either hit one or he'll hit none. So I'm not really worried about that. So it'll be interesting to see what Brad does with the starting lineup, um, and it will be interesting to see how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really step up and hopefully dominate this game. Now, the next thing I keep saying now but now is me moving to the next segment, so get over it. Back-to-back games against the Brooklyn Nets. Again, I told you my thoughts about Kyrie, so we're moving on. So Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at TD Garden, and then 12 p.m. at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn on Black Friday. So the Nets just beat the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden, 103-101. to They went on their last... Four or five games without Kyrie have gone very well. I believe they are four and one without Kyrie, and they are four and five without him. So, I th- or are they three and four without him? Either way, they technically have a better record without him. So technically, we will be playing a better Brooklyn Nets team. They recently went on a four-game West Coast trip, twelve days long. They went one and three. They lost to the Phoenix Suns by twenty. 20- six points the team that we recently destroyed they lost to by 26 they lost to the jazz by five and the nuggets by eight jazz is a really good team i don't think we see them until february like after the all-star break because i think right after the all-star break the celtics go on a four or five game road trip but don't quote me on that but lavert one of their best players he's out four to six weeks with thumb injury and i'm interested to see where they go for scoring because sometimes it's garrett temple sometimes it's Terrian prince spencer din Dinwiddie, he's really good. He'll get his. We can't let Joe Harris get hot. For the love of God, don't let Joe Harris get hot. I might get, if Joe Harris gets going in this game and hits four, five, six three-pointers in this game, I might be more angry than the fact that the Celtics missed their first 16 three-pointers against the Los Angeles Clippers last Wednesday. Joe Harris can't do that. I'm not really worried 
about the rest of their bench because they're really not that deep. Like, I'm not worried about Amon Shumpert or Theo Pitson. Theo Pitson from UNC, he sucks. He sucks, so screw him. But what the Celtics need to worry about is Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. What are they going to do with them? Well, obviously, the dumb answer is they're going to box them out to him. They're both really good rebounders. Yes, thank you, Captain Obvious. But they each block a, they each block one shot per game. But I say screw that. Attack them because if both of those guys get in foul trouble, then the nets are really small, and that's where the Celtics excel, which is why they did so well against the Clippers. But <clears throat> remember, like, uh, when we played the Cavs a couple weeks ago, I I was talking about how, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love combined for like 28 rebounds a game. They're so they're so good together rebounding the basketball. Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan they average 13 rebounds per game. So I don't know if they're not getting after it when it comes to rebounding, but if that's the case, let's let's make sure they only get 12. Like, let's make sure it's below average. They only get, like, 7-5 and five or 6-6. Six and six. Let's make sure that DeAndre Jordan doesn't dominate the boards. Let's make sure Jarrett Allen doesn't dominate the boards. This this is a game where I'd love to see Time Lord go against DeAndre Jordan. Someone who's athletic as him, a little bit older, probably got, like, 20 pounds on him because DeAndre Jordan's pretty pretty thick. He's got some muscles. So I'm very, very interested in that because the Nets really aren't anything special. You know, they're 18th overall defensive rating. Their offensive rating is 16th. So it's really not a lot to talk about there. So I really think Wednesday and Friday's games against the New Jersey Nets are winnable. I feel like the Nets are one of those teams where they they can come out guns a-blazing and then other times they absolutely suck. So it'll be interesting to see what Brooklyn Nets team that we get. But I'm, I'm thinking... If Tatum and Brown, again, I'm going to be shoving this down your guys' throat until this podcast is over. If Tatum and Brown can do their thing, I really think they got a shot at winning both games at TD Garden and in Brooklyn. Now, the final, see? See what I did there? Now, another segment here. Or, not another segment, another game that we're talking about. The final game of the week is Sunday at 3.30 against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. The last time the Celtics were at Madison Square Garden, they won um, 118-95. Kemba dropped 32 in that game, but will he be playing? If he's not playing, guess who's going to have to step up? Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Will Gordon Hayward be back by then? He's already shooting, but probably not. But the last time these two these two teams played at TD Garden, it was a struggle for the Celtics. It really was. Kemba dropped 33, and only won by two. And guess what? You still had Gordon Hayward then. So he had a nice win against them in New York which was the very first week of the season. It was the second night of a back-to-back after you that really nice win against the Raptors a few days before Halloween. But now you got no Hayward. Now you got no Kemba. What are you going to do? Like, remember the game at TD Garden? Oh, God, I'm starting to get really tired. I'm starting to fade. That's why I'm, like, kind of talking like this. And I'm sure you're annoyed by it. But... This was the last time the Celtics and the Knicks played. Jason Tatum hit that um, shot with about, you know, what, two seconds to go over R.J. Barrett in the corner, which was a great game. It was a lot of fun. But what are the Celtics going to do? The Celtics are going to have to do what I said last time. I mean, it worked. They won, but obviously it was poorly executed on their end. They have to control R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, the the first time that they played rj barrett at msg he scored 26 points it was also the home opener they were really hype they just lost at home to the nets they've they've had some great games they almost beat the 76ers so you can't count out the new york knicks you really can't as much as i hate them they really are a hit or miss team to lose by the 76ers by five they lost to the they but they beat the Cavs by 18 but then they lose to the hornets by one very very weird mitchell robinson One of the funner, that's even a word, one of the most fun centers in the league. Just not because like Joel Embiid and Jokic, they're fun to watch. Carl Anthony Towns, they're fun to watch because of how dominant they are. Mitchell Robinson, I feel like, doesn't know how to play basketball yet. Like He's just like, he doesn't know what to do, but he's a freak of an athlete. He's very good. Cantor really can't keep up with him. So Time Lord and Daniel Tice are going to have to have great games on not only offensively but also defensively so both ends of the floor against Mitchell Robinson because Mitchell Robinson is a game changer that is a promise and of course 
stand by your man, Marcus Morris. He'll be playing the game. No open shots for him. He's a very good shooter. You saw it all last year. You saw it a couple times at TD Garden uh, earlier this year when they played the Knicks. He hit that game-tying shot before Jason Tatum hit that game winner. But Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I know you're not listening, but if you are listening, I'm expecting big weeks. I'm expecting all-star type weeks. I need each of you at least twice to score 25 points each. That's right. Jalen maybe one night scores 25. Tatum scores 18. Next night, Jalen scores 18. Tatum scores 25. That's what I need. That's what we all expect. And that's what I better get, especially after that Clippers game when you started the game 0 for 16. But that is it for episode 57. Wow, this is a long one. That is it for episode 57 of the Banner Branch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can email me at bannerbranchpodcast.gmail.com with any uh, comments, concerns, recipes, suggestions, questions, whatever the case may be. You can find me on the Twitter machine at bannerbrancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at bannerbranchpodcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a very, a very, very, very great and happy and enjoyable Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should be celebrated more in this country and not Christmas for 60 straight days. That's another hot take for you. Thanksgiving over everything. Enjoy it with your family. It's one of the best, most relaxing holidays of the year. It's my favorite holiday of the year after opening night at TD Garden for the Boston Celtics. Thank you. I am, I'm thankful for all of you listening to episode 57 this week, and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.